Welcome back, folks, to 2Bits1 Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles and an oil boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who's found his political voice, and a man who stands with me, kneeling with you, in protest. Will Every Human, Will, how are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you, Dan. Very well. An, an oily boy? Why, why are you so oily this week? So this started out with... I, I always say this every week, don't I? I am a something boy, and it started yeah. out when we went on holiday... My job on holiday is my wife and my daughter will lie there baking like a pair of lobsters and they'll say to me, oh, can you take this to the bin for me? We don't want to get up. And I'll be like, yeah, all right, fine. And they, st- just, they just started calling me bin boy <laughs> as a joke. And it just then became a, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a this boy. And me and my wife were playing a, um, a word game on her phone last night. I'm not a young man, Will. I've got to try and keep my brain active. We do, we do as much as we can, but whatever. Bit of your brain training and all that. Yeah, a bit of the old brain training. And one of the words, it was like a, you have seven words in a week, you're seven letters in a wheel, and then you've got to find as many words as you can. Kind of like Boggle, I guess. Yeah. And one of the words was oil man, but it was one word. And I'd never heard of a, an oil man before. An oil man. So I said, like, it, yeah, like an oil man. And I was like, well, it can't just mean a man who works with oil, because then you'd have to have an iron man and a wood man and a metal man. Yeah. I said, so it can't mean anybody did. And I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't get why there's oilmen, but not like woodmen, ironmen, metalmen, and all like, the other kind of like practical things. You've got like a salesman or like a fireman or a policeman. True. But then if there's oilmen, why aren't there metalmen? Or... <laughs> I didn't get it. So we just laughed about it and it just came out like oil boy. It just, we just laughed. Is a precursor to oilman an oil boy? Like, is that the rookie version? I don't know. Yeah. And it just came from that. When I grow up, I'll be an oilman. So no, son, you're yeah. just an oil boy. <laughs> right now, my boy, you're just an oil boy. There, there should be the uh, the Edmonton Oilmans, shouldn't there, really? There should be the Edmonton Oilmans. That'd be way better. That'd be not very inclusive, though, and that's the problem. Yeah, that's true, so, actually. Well, it's hockey, but... That's a good thing. Would it's, that matter? It's, uh, yeah. Well, apparently not nowadays. Everybody's very... Yeah. Very, very woke. Extremely woke today. Yet not down yeah. when um one of their own was crying out for help in their in their fight for justice against racism within the hockey community. How do you how do you figure well, that one? Not only not only one player, m- multiple players have have come out again and said things like, "Well, yeah, I was I was abused for this, I was abused for that," and just just lots of quiet, lots of chirping. No, no, so no. Not even chirping, birds chirping, <laughs> very quiet. Crickets chirping. Do crickets yeah, chirp? the crickets. I'm sure they do. Sounds about right, doesn't it? It's very strange. It's all very strange. It, As you can guess, everyone, we have maybe two hockey things to talk about this week, but that's good okay. because hockey has taken a back seat to more pressing issues like racial, sociological, political, and it seems as though the hockey world's finally catching up a bit, Will, which, as you just said, is very strange for a sport that had the biggest rug with the most issues swept under it for years and years and years. Uh, up to eight days ago, or whatever it was. Now, in all seriousness, I find it... Uh, I'm struggling with that sentiment. You know, the idea of, oh, everybody's speaking up now, but they didn't speak up when Akeem Alou and everybody else came out with their issues. The, the thing I struggle with that is, like, yes, on, on one hand, it's extremely disappointing that it feels a lot like... The teams especially, but potentially even a lot of the players are just jumping on the back of of this national and international movement, the the current Black Lives Matter movements, and just everything that's happened in the wake of George Floyd's murder. But at the same time, I think it's it's that age-old issue of, of when is the right time to, to get on board with something for a better term. Like, we can't turn around to yeah. the Tyler Sagans of the world, the Logan Couture's, whoever... And say, oh, you weren't there from the beginning, so fuck you. You're you're not allowed to <laughs> you're not allowed to help mend the world now. It's a bit of a, especially as it's not our place to do that as white men. Like it's not. It's obviously not our place to decide who can and who cannot support the Black Lives Matter movement. Like that. It's not even our movement. We are as much interlopers as as any hockey player are. So so it's not yeah. fair. But there there is that cynic hockey fan in me whereas if we're purely looking at it from the issue of race within the sport of hockey it does feel a bit like well, where the fuck were you last week and do you know what 
I hate doing this. I hate doing this because it should be a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good it's, thing. It's great. But... It's, it's really great. And there are, sorry to cut you off, but there are a lot of statements. No, while, while there are plenty of statements that feel a bit, right, I'll take X player statement and just change my name and change the team logo in the background. There are plenty. You've got Blake Wheeler. You've got Logan Couture. You do, you do have Tyler Sagan. You've got other players, Braden Holby, who have written really put Patrice Bergeron as well, not just to limit it to the one true hockey team of two Brits, one puck. It's, there are players <laughs> out there who have who have written what feel like quite heartfelt and and honest statements and sincere statements as well. So that is one thing that is quite moving and heartening about it. But sorry, you, you were going to say. I was going to say, yeah, did you feel as though the majority of the, the statements from the players were just cut and pasted? Because that's how it felt. It just felt... Well, I've not said anything for four or five days because I wanted to reflect on what's happened and I just wanted to listen. And it just came a bit... Like you say, you, I, I am torn as being a hockey fan for so long and that I know what, on, as long as we've been doing the show, we've railed on hockey players for not speaking up and not talking about issues and why aren't you supporting young black players and why aren't you standing up for them and, and that kind of thing. And then as soon as the world seems to catch fire and it seems to be a case of, well, you better put something out now it's almost like, a, oh, God, yeah, they're right. I, I better do something. I better say something. I can't be one of the ones who's not said anything. That'd be awful. And the same from the teams. It, it, I don't know, but then, like, I don't know. Like in, like Bergeron said in his statement, he said that from such a young age, you're taught to not speak about anything. You're just taught to sit there, shut up and listen and play the game. And like we've, we've, and we've said this a million times, it's kind of like being in the army. You're just told what to do, when to do it. You don't ask any questions. You just you are told this is it, go and do this, and you just do it. And a lot of them have never, like we said before, like maybe they're just too scared to rock the boat. Maybe they don't want to see him as being the odd one out. I don't know. You know, you, you just kind of you just taught to blend in. Don't separate from the pack. Don't be an individual on a hockey team. Be it you know, be a just be a hockey player. Don't be a distraction. Yeah. Whatever it might be. And I, and. But then, but then, like I said, on the other, on the other side of that, it's taken something. If it's going to take something this horrendous to get them out there and to finally do something, who, who are we to say? Like you say, who are we to say? Well, you can't do it because you weren't here last week when we were talking about it. That's not fair. It's like hipster. It's kind of like not hip, not hipster protesting. You know what I'm trying to say, though, don't you? It's yeah. that where were you, where were you last week kind of thing. Well, it doesn't matter. They're here now. So let's just you know let's just get them in and get them on board. Exactly, and it's it's very disingenuous for. Uh, for us to say that, especially where we have previously, yeah, if if on one hand you're calling for more people to stand up, be it celebrities, be it sports figures, be it people in your own community, you can't then turn around and say, "Oh well, why didn't you? Why didn't you speak up sooner when they finally do speak up?" It's not right. It's not right. And not not to say that people are necessarily doing that, but it's that internal struggle. I think that I know I've I definitely fought with for. For the people I feel I can judge, which is rich, ignorant hockey players. <laughs> if there's anyone on this, and list, owners and GMs. Well, let's let's not get into the owners and the GMs because I think I think for obviously for anyone concerned, and I'll, I'll hold my hands up like I, I I wouldn't consider myself an activist today, but I sure as fuck was not an activist before George Floyd got murdered. That is is the way I'd put it. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. For everyone who has fortunately had their eyes opened by the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department, while what everybody is doing in the instant aftermath of of that murder, time yeah, time will tell. The the, the sort of you've got us, we've all got to stick with it. You know what I mean? Like we can't just hang the fucking job done banner eight days afterwards. You know what I mean? And that goes for the players, and that sure as hell goes for these NHL teams. Everybody putting out these these statements about George Floyd's murder. I'm I'm waiting until games resume in in a normal fashion next season, hopefully. And we're just you know what's going to happen then? Are we having Blue Lives Matter flags at the Pepsi Center in in Colorado? Are we having military appreciation lights? Whatever it might be. How are these teams actually going to change the way they act to prove that they care about being anti-racist in the community? While I want to give the players the benefit of the doubt, I'm sure it's fucking not giving <laughs> the people who are largely part of the problem, who are the team owners. And, and until that changes, yeah, yeah. Thanks for your fucking PDF, mate. It is really, 
It is really odd that we expected this before when the whole Bill Peters, Akeem Alou thing happened. And then there was the Babcock thing and we started talking. We're like, well, Jesus Christ, this is a huge thing. And then, what? Nothing happened. We didn't hear anything. I mean, Christ, some, some teams were trying to lump all their sort of appreciation nights into one month or or lump like two nights together. Oh, tonight's Pride Night and it's Black Appreciation. What? And, you know, this is after the Akeem Alou thing. And we're doing it well, Which is we why. play a road game and we're having it at a pub down the road from the arena. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, that is, and all jokes aside, I put it on Twitter last week, but uh, this week, but that is why I have set an alarm, like a reminder on my phone for the 1st of January, 2021. Because I'm going to, and that alarm, that alarm says, what has the NHL done to improve sexual discrimination, racial discrimination in the game? What has it done? I'm going to go back and look and see what's happened from these teams and this league, not necessarily the players, because like you say, it's got to start at the top. It's easy to point the finger at the players and say, you don't do enough. And they don't do enough most of the time. You know, at least they're doing something now. But it, it has to come from the top down to make real change. Because if it doesn't, all the players the players are just shouting into a void, aren't they? And it's it's not going anywhere. I think so. On the, so on the first of January, twenty twenty one, that thing's going to go off on my phone, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at what's happened. Has anything changed? I I do agree with you in the sense that like the the sort of infrastructure and the the systemic racism within hockey as a business that change has to come from the top down. But I think the players have a lot of power for for hockey as a whole, including sort of the community. Like, you you know, take little Billy, who's sitting in Toronto, he's watching, you know, he gets to watch two periods of hockey night in Canada on a Saturday night before his bedtime or whatever. He is not influenced by MLSE. I'm trying to think of owners' names on Eugene. He's not influenced by Rocky Wurtz. He's not influenced by, uh, he's the geezer down in Florida, whatever his fucking name is. Uh, Vinny, Vinny Viola, he's not, Viola. Vinny Viola. he's not influenced by the suits who own the team. I'm sure when the camera cuts to even fucking Carl Dubas, you know, the, the kids, the next generation don't know who the suits are. It's the players on the ice that they know. And I think that their role in educating the younger people coming through that hockey is inclusive or can be inclusive and can be anti-racist, that falls firmly at the players' feet. They, I agree. They're going to be the front-facing people. I agree, but look at how much Braden Holtby does in his community and how much he does for Pride and all that kind of thing. Mm. Unless you follow Braden Holtby, you would never know that. Yeah, and, and this that is, has to this come from... That's uh, just one man. Like, sure, the, play, one the players can do it. The players can do it. I understand that. But if it goes back to in three months, listen, guys, don't be fucking different. Don't be putting shit like this on social media. Mm-hmm. But don't stand out. Then it's not gonna it's not gonna work because the players are not gonna go against the team. They should, and hopefully they do in the future, and say, you know what, I don't fucking care what you say. I'm putting this on Twitter. I'm gonna show my support for this player, who's I don't know who's any you know who's a non-rich white kid. That has to come from the teams, and it has to come. The league has to be it has to be blank because once you once the league does it, then every single player has to abide by that rule. It's not just how many professional players are there, and we mentioned what, seven or eight players who'd made statements that were like, oh, wow, like you've actually put some thought into this and, you know, you you mean something by this. Yeah, there's another 700 and whatever players who are just under the, like you say, change my name, change the font, change the background. Yeah, that'll do. I better put something out there. That's why it has to come from the league and the owners and, you know, the league even forcing the owners to do these kinds of things. A, A player can't go to the GM or the owner and say, do you know what we need? I think we need a black appreciation night, or we need a pride night, and we need to do it properly and do all this and all that, and blah, blah, blah. And then the owner's going to go, should we just change the bulbs instead? Should we just have some rainbow bulbs? Let's just do that instead, shall we? And then the player's like, well, yeah, but how about, let's just have some bulbs, or you can go and play in, in the minors. How, how about that? And then the player has to say, okay then. I agree, players have to do something, but... For me, it has to, you know, it has to come from the league first. Yeah. They have to be way more, like, you know, upfront with it. There, there have to be like the um, that. That's how it's going to be enabled, sort of thing. I, yeah, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. It's it's either got to be all the players 
You know what I mean? Like in, in a mini revolution yes. of their own. Like an absolute movement from the players. Yeah. Or it has to be, right, we are going to be more <laughs> accepting of our players having personalities, which, yeah, now, now you mentioned it, Dan, uh, not holding out a lot of hope for that. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But even... Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Like the, the players have to be allowed to have a personality. Fucking hell. But then it's what's happening is ridiculous. Like the fact that it feels somewhat revolutionary in its own right that some high-profile players are coming out and saying they're anti-racist and that the murder of an unarmed innocent black man is a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so true. We, we yeah, it's so hold, true that. Sorry, we 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 can't hold normal no, standards of humanity. <laughs> to the NHL players owners we don't. administrators alike because it is a different situation not that it should be but like that their own internal rules are different so to some extent it is acceptable to have lower expectations and be happy that they are meeting those lower expectations because they haven't done so for 91 years 103 years however long it's been yeah, but don't forget, well, the 40-year plan is still in effect. We're only at year 30, so there's still, so you know, <laughs> 10 more years to go. Long, long bit of runway. <laughs> long bit of runway. Yeah, we, we got, we're, only, we're only three quarters of the way there. Let's see the full the full uh, circle until we start judging the NHL and hockey players. You're so That's so true, though. We're just saying, I mean, wow, Braden Holtby made a serious and thought-provoking statement about the murder of an unarmed black man and everyone goes oh what a guy what a guy i was like no this should be the standard how 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 are we cheering this i'm guilty of it i've retweeted stuff this week and thought oh brilliant that's brilliant what a statement from a hockey player and now you're right i'm thinking hang on now i'm thinking yeah that's what they should do why aren't they all doing it why am i why am i looking at these people these hockey players and saying oh wow what a guy he hates the murder. He hates murdering unarmed black men. What a guy! No, that's fucking ridiculous. They should all be up in arms. Like I don't even how to put it. I don't know. It's, it's it's like your extremely racist granddad or grandma not saying the n word or whatever. Do, do you know what I mean? It's. I guess I suppose yeah. Like oh, at least at least it's something. We're making some progress, yeah. or at least getting a bit. The, these are by and large uneducated rich white people who have lived in rich white people neighborhoods and work with rich white people their social lives are full of rich white people like it is they are fucking aliens basically they're not they're not normal people they aren't normal people as much as you can say i grew up on a farm in saskatchewan yeah mate you've been playing in the nhl for seven years and you were playing in the whl for four years before that like you are not a normal human being you were, yeah, mummy and daddy could actually afford to buy you hockey gear to get you, and then get you to and from practice like four times, five times a week. That's the thing I never get. Like this whole not to completely drag the topic topic away, but it's it's always I you know, growing up on the farm in in Western Canada or whatever. It's like yeah, but like you still had a fuck ton of money, mate. Like yeah, you weren't you weren't making them hockey sticks out of a tree you felled on your land, bruv. Like, <laughs> And, and as we know all too well, Dan, farmers in the UK, not necessarily your average blue-collar worker, are they? <laughs> no, no, it's true. That's so true. But we, I know. We digress. And that's why, yeah, it's, God, it's, it starts, it's all over. Like, it's all over. There's a, there's a huge problem all over. I don't believe the majority of hockey players are racist. I really don't. But not actively. They don't, under, they don't understand. And they don't get what it's like and we don't get what it's like and i think that yeah like it's it's a double-edged sword in that you you're looking at it saying well yeah they should be making statements that's ridiculous but they don't know they don't know any better do they they're just like living in this like rich white bubble of well i go to the rink eh, and put my skates on and off i go and that's it you think no it's there's more than that you need to see the world more than what you're seeing and and it's it seems to be a key feature of these protests for let's say the average white person now it is about finally educating yourself on these issues properly finally actually yeah. like you know the the big sort of catchphrase is like oh it's not good enough to not be racist anymore you have to be anti-racist and you have to be actively anti-racist and that is giving a lot of people an opportunity to look in the mirror and say am i doing enough am i educating myself enough so to see 
hockey players doing that as well is a big step. It really, it really is. And and in in such terrible times, we kind of have to take solace in that. Yeah, you're right. Because you can't then, as you said right at the start, you can't you can't just say, well, why aren't you doing something? And then when they when they do something, say, well, it's a bit late for that. Yeah. Oh, you should have already been educated. We don't want you now. You know, tea statement, forget it. No. All right. Yeah. Maybe some of them. It's hard because you're just reading words on a page, and it's hard to see until until the hockey until we see hockey players, the kind of richer, whiter hockey players being interviewed and talking about these things candidly. It's hard to know how to react to a statement because it's like I said, it's just words on a page, and that can just come across as well. You could just go, you know, you could just go to his PR team to write it, but maybe Braden Holtby, maybe Patrice Bergeron actually sat down and thought, oh, okay, I need to, I need to really think about what I'm going to write here. Maybe they did. Well, I mean, hats off to but, Blake Wheeler specifically. He's been fucking everywhere. Zoom calls yeah, yeah. are front and centre, loads of interviews and stuff. Like he seems to be thoroughly behind the movement, which is which is beautiful. And that in itself, and, and Jonathan Taves as well. We haven't said anything. I've completely forgotten about Jonathan Taves. Jonathan Taves is yeah, yeah, that's up right. There, like best player in the NHL now, much better than Sidney Crosby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's that is a win. That isn't. <laughs> It's not going to be enough, but even if we come into next season with just Taves and Wheeler and Holtby and Bergeron being more vocal about these issues, that is still three more people that were vocal on these issues than before. Yeah. And I guess we've yeah, just, just got to take little wins, haven't we, at the moment? Take little wins. And we're still we're, we're still early days, so we'll, we'll see what happens and hope that it grows for, for everybody, not just the NHL players. Like we, it's, it's the hope that we can all as a society, especially us white members of our of our global society, improve the way that we've been acting. To be fair as well, I did, I did see before we came on that Tyler Sagan posted that he was out today protesting. Oh, was he? And he That's put it on Insta- Yeah, he put on he put on Instagram. He said like, you know, yesterday I wrote about making a difference and today I want to show that I am doing that. And he was out protesting. And that's what you need to see. You need to see hockey players actually being hockey players out in public, being involved in things like this. Well, to, to, so, like you say, it's a good thing. To at segue least. that a little bit, I think it, it it does make a difference. Not to equate these two people together, Tyler Sagan and who I'm going to mention now, but did you see the video of of John Boyega in Hyde Park? Oh man, that was amazing! Fucking hell! And obviously, <laughs> completely different cases because John Boyega has lived with racial discrimination his entire life. He is. A, Especially a, a black man in Hollywood playing one of the most um, the most device <laughs> unnecessarily divisive characters in one of the most famous, probably the most famous uh, film franchise in history. Yeah, John Boyega knows what it's fucking like to be a black man. Is what I'm getting at. Um, but to yeah. see him out there in Hyde Park, so passionate about the cause, because there are plenty of other celebrities that aren't. As passionate about the cause, their front and centre, and and again, we are not in a position to judge, but that, those are just the facts. To see people like John Boyega, to see celebrities out involved in these protests is important. It's really important because it does get your average person to look up and fucking like that fucking John Boyega speech in Hyde Park. For, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is incredibly moving. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see to see a grown man cry over the injustices that his people have endured for hundreds and hundreds of years is heartbreaking. It, it kills you to watch. But it's also very empowering. There's been loads, haven't there? has been loads like that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But the, but my, the thing I'm getting at is, like, John Boyega is, is a name. You know what I mean? As, oh, yeah, as, yeah. as silly as it is in our little heads. Oh, I know who John Boyega is. I don't know who Dave Smith is. You know what I mean? Therefore... Yeah. Seeing John Boyega do it hits harder, and not that it has more meaning, but there is that extra layer of of getting you to, to sit up and take notice sort of thing. Do you know what's funny is, I was thinking about this the other day, and it kind of struck a chord with me a little bit, is that I've spent my life just letting people be who they want to be. And that's come, I, I believe that's come across on this show. Yeah. In that we do try and push like, hey, like just you know, can can hockey be better? Can we can we please not judge people based off race, religion, sexual orientation, anything like that? And then I was thinking, I haven't really pushed anti-racism 
rather than me just being, well, yeah, everyone's who they are and that's it. There's no, like, I don't care who you are. It's, you know, if you're cool, you're cool. Like, that's that's the thing. And then you start to think, yeah, maybe I should be just, maybe I should be pushing certain things more rather than just thinking, well, I'm a good person, so that's enough. And it and yeah, it isn't. You You need to... You need to take your being a good person and push it out there so that others can see it and others can say, "Oh, okay, there are other there are, there are other people out there who are, you know, good people." And the, and the same of not to derail it too much, but the, the same as of me wearing my um, my NHS pride badge when I go to work. The point was is that if I'm walking down the corridor at the hospital or something, and and somebody sees me with my badge on, it's just a little, "Oh, that guy's okay. He he supports me and he supports." you know who i am rather than just thinking oh god does anyone around here even think of you know the what the kind of pain i'm going through or the decisions i've had to make and all that kind of thing well i was just gonna say it's it's, it's about broadcasting your own personal like allyship if you will but it's it's about converting other people that you come across it's about not accepting yeah. Yeah, you're at work. Somebody makes a, an off-color comment. We're not letting that slide anymore. You're you're getting a fucking coffee at Starbucks. Someone in the line says something off-color. We're not fucking letting it slide anymore. We're not. I, I forget the exact quote, and I'm, I apologize to. <laughs> you're obviously not listening to this, but whoever said it, but I apologize nonetheless. I did not take note, but someone was making the point of, for us white people especially, to put yourself under the mild inconvenience of maybe getting into an argument at a Starbucks because you call someone out, out on a racist comment, falling out of your neighbour because yeah. you're calling them out on X, Y and Z, that pales in comparison to running the risk of being murdered in the street every single fucking day. Yeah. We have been so comfortable and it's not about being comfortable anymore. It's about using your your comfort capital, if you will, give some of it up to make a difference. Accept that while you're your life in social standings might decrease x y and z you might have to burn some bridges with people who are not worth having bridges with in the first place that is the sacrifice the very very minor sacrifice that now has to be made to actually make the difference it was really strange and i don't know this is going to this is going to sound so this like it's going to sound like such a crazy thing to say but i don't know i don't know where my just let people be people came from because I was, I was showing some old school pictures to one of my friends the other day, and he's he's Muslim, and I showed him my, my school photo from my like in my last year. You know, you do like a school photo in your last year. Yeah. And he said, he's like, "Do you see what's wrong with this picture?" And I said, "No, what?" He's like, "Dude, they're all white." <laughs> he said, "There's nobody there who's non-white," and it didn't even stuff like that. It didn't even occur to me. I was like, "Oh God, yeah, you're right," but but it was never. Like two things. I mean, yeah, one, I didn't notice it. But then on the other side of it, you would think like, I wonder how many people in that year do have prejudices because they've never mixed with anybody who was non-white. Whereas, like I said, I mean, like when I moved to when I moved to Manchester, I moved to a big city. I was living with a girl who was Chinese. She had friends who were Muslim. She had um, she had friends who were mixed race, and it, and it just kind of it sort of ingratiated me into all these different societies and meeting different people and cultures and I loved every second of it but it wasn't until I was with somebody who was not white that I started to see things and you just don't you wouldn't notice it you're just in this you're just in this bubble and when I went out with her and then I also went out with a girl whose dad was Caribbean so she had like this oh my god she had like this beautiful beautiful afro it was oh my god it was amazing it's like this the most amazing hair i've ever seen i'll never forget the hair it was absolutely gorgeous whenever we'd go out or whenever i'd go out with my ex-girlfriend who was chinese then i would start to notice things you would absolutely get little looks and people would say things to you or not digs because i don't think i know because no one's got the balls to say anything like that but do you know what I'm trying to say? Just like it's just the way people just looked at you funny. You just get a little side like, oh, look at them too. That's interesting. Yeah. A white boy and a girl who's not white. Hmm. And you could just see it. And it wasn't until I was in that scenario that I noticed it. It's just the subtle racism. You know? Yeah. Like you like we said, like people have been putting pictures on all day of like things in newspapers and stuff like that. That until it's pointed out to you, 
you don't see it you don't notice it it's the, it's the everyday racism isn't it and and that's yeah that's another you know it's it's all well and good not that this is the point of it you know to to say you know oh black people shouldn't be murdered just for being black yeah well done that's like all right that's yeah. step one but it's it's fighting against the the everyday prejudices and 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 everyday oppression against black people and other minorities that is is global utterly global it's not as much as the us is like the the main theater for it for a for a multitude of reasons it's it's an international problem to do with how how african people are portrayed in the media to do with Again, how how black people are portrayed in the me- media. Did the thing on Sky News that came up? It was like a a two. I think it might have been an Instagram story news thing or or whatever it was. And it was like the first picture was saying about how peaceful protests and it's. I think it's a picture of three white girls all in surgical masks to protect against coronavirus, which is obviously still a thing in case anyone forgot. Is it daytime? They're all looking very happy, obviously very peaceful, and then quickly turned to writing and the writing picture was at night it was uh, I think it was four or five young black men d- deliberately looking far more menacing than the white girls were obviously and it's things like that it's just yeah. like how what the fuck are we doing what is this I know. and it's deliberate choices like that by mainstream media and the way that we're educated from the ground up that reinforce the, the, the natural racism that comes through in people, especially like you say, Dan, if you're growing up in solely a white community, it is unavoidable because it is ingrained in you everywhere you look. Not to excuse anyone of being racist, but the fact that it's it's more to highlight just how how much of the world is not designed for black people. The world is against black people. It's even now, like so I have a I have a little there's four of us in a group called the Horror Club. We'll go and watch scary films together. Mm-hmm. So there's me, a white woman, and then there's my Muslim friend, and then our other friend who's mixed race. So her dad's from her dad's from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And if we meet up somewhere beforehand, people do because we and then we'll walk, you know we'll walk into somewhere and and like I've said before, I I notice it more now. But people will look as if to kind of go, huh. Why are they all friends? <laughs> and you can just see confusion in people's faces. It, it, I just, I just think like, how, how, how are we at this? How, how is it not just they're just people? We're all just people. How, how are we not there with certain things? I don't know. I don't get it. And it's and that's a viewpoint for in in this country. Definitely, I can't speak. To, I've never been to America, but I can only imagine. If you're not living in one of the major major metropolitan areas are probably living in it like you say if you're in london if you're in manchester if you're in birmingham if you're not living there that is the norm it is white people all the way down and and that's just just how it is i i wanted to point out a couple of things that i think again it's not i'm I'm not the fucking king of the movement at all and i don't want to sound patronizing in the slightest but just things i've looked at this week that have been helpful for anyone who's who's looking for this sort of sort of stuff. Um, there was an interview with with Akala on the the Joe Network. I don't quite. They just go by Joe. On they've got YouTube videos. They've got Instagram pages and stuff. An interview with Akala. For anyone who doesn't know, Akala is a he's a he's a rapper. He's an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's a fantastic, incredible man. Um, so articulate on such a number of of um of topics mainly racial uh, economic injustices there's a fantastic hour-long interview he did with joe which is really worth checking out especially for for our british friends out there because it really it, for me at least it educated me on things that i didn't understand about our our history with with racism and slavery in in britain um, so that that was fantastic and well worth worth uh, looking at if you've never heard of Akala. He's a fantastic speaker. There is a book called The End of Policing by Alex S. Vitale, or Vitale which a, a number of people have been recommending and putting on the reading lists. That's actually free as an ebook from the publisher's Verso. 
So you get on there, you can download it for your Kindle, you can download it in just a, a .epub format so you can read it without a Kindle if you if you need it. So that's worth getting onto. I believe it's verso.com, but if, if you just search for Verso at the end of policing, you can download that for free. That seems to be well worth reading, only a few pages in, but it's been recommended. And uh, and I watched 13th on Netflix, the, the documentary about the 13th Amendment in, in the United States to their constitution and just about how the country evolved from slavery in the 1800s through to basically becoming a corporate prison environment and how that has been used to, to basically keep black people as slaves ever since 1875 or whenever it was abolished. So that, that that's my... I thought whether people out there listening need it or not we've got to share these things you know if it if you've already seen it all great hopefully one person out there hasn't listened to the Akala interview and can go listen to it and that's a fantastic thing to do so I'll uh, I'll get off my soapbox for now a couple of things on that I yeah I watched um kind of watched 13th about we're in this house I'm gonna say about four years ago has it been out for that? I know it was it was like a yeah it's been out for ages yeah, really good maybe, maybe well, three years ago but yeah, it, but yeah it's absolutely absolutely eye opening a complete again it's one of those things where until the facts are laid out in front of you you just don't see it and then you go holy shit this is really really bad this is really bad and it's really and then once it's and again once it's in front of you it's really obvious like, oh yeah, of course. This is what they're doing. That's that's this the thing. Horrendous. Sorry, just to interject. It's the things Nothing. that are you know the sort of outline, and it's filling in the middle, and it really makes it even more hor- horrifying. Like, of course, I knew I knew that America had a massive prison population. I knew a vast majority of those prisoners are black or people of color. But, but yeah, having the reasons why that it, why that's the case just makes it even even more horrifying. And then, oh, that was mad you mentioned Akala because somebody tweeted something today, and I I just sent out a tweet saying, yeah, like I could listen, I could listen to this man talk all day. He is just utter legend. He is. He talks like how I imagine I talk at parties, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm sure in my head I'm thinking, man, I sound so clever, and I'm talking about you know. Did you know in nineteen seventy in nineteen seventy four the German goalie for the World Cup winning team and people are like shut the fuck up but I think I'm being all like this big orator and like you know so cool and suave and ever, ever since I listen to a ever since I listen to a Carla, I think oh I don't know anything if I don't know anything I'm such an idiot it's like this guy's so smart he's so clever it's, it's, and he's so interesting I could listen to I could he's one of those guys that like if he just read the phone book I'd be gripped it's like oh my god what's after B C oh my god. <laughs> He's so interested. <laughs> it's, it's that combination of, of being a really natural story, a storyteller and a fantastic writer. Yeah. Plus, like you say, he fucking knows interesting things. It's not like you're oh, like, yeah. it's, oh, did you know that in 1982, uh, the Hart Trophy winner was blah, blah, blah. No, he's actually talking about fucking <laughs> yeah. important shit. And it's, yeah, yeah, he's he is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone check out Akala. Watch, watch and read and as much of his stuff as you can. The dude's absolutely, he's a force, an absolute force. And not even just him speaking. He did, a, you know, the Fire in the Booth that they do on, on Radio 1? No. So it's like, I think, it, I think it might have moved off of Radio 1 now, but it's basically a freestyle live rapping session that they used to do on Radio 1. Oh, okay. Where you're getting X, Y and Z rapper and, you know, they'd have 15 minutes to spit freestyle raps over various beats and all that. Akala has yeah. one. They're normally like ten minutes. His is like forty minutes, and it's Jesus. it is just an Akala speech, but he's rapping it like it's it's fucking it's incredible. It's incredible. So for you hip hop fans out there, check that out as well. Akala fire in the booth. It's educational and it slaps, as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to? Uh... Hmm. I'm wondering if we talk about certain tweets made by a very famous female hockey player that have come back to bite her in the arse, and rightly so. So that ties into what we what we were saying at the start, I think. It really does. And, and arguably more importantly than with the, hockey, the male hockey players we were discussing. So for anyone uneducated, Kendall Gwynn Schofield came out in, in support of, of Black Lives Matter and condemning the murder of George Floyd. But as I'm sure a lot of people know... <laughs> 
when the Honourable Colin Kaepernick was kneeling before the flag to protest Black Lives Matter, what, four years ago was it, I think? Feels like, not like, that, feels yeah. like 50 years ago. She put out a tweet saying, this is disgusting, really condemning what Kaepernick did. Say, oh, you know, don't disrespect the flag, yada, 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 I'm sure you can understand. So a lot of people were lambasting her for having that turnaround, if you will. But again, I think, yeah, what she said at the time about Kaepernick was reprehensible, and I would be hesitant to to be certain that she's changed those views. But again, like, we have to let people who have been silent speak up or show their support now, even if they've been silent up until now. And if we want to actually change the world, we have to let people change. Even at the time, I was with Colin Kaepernick and I understood what he was doing. Yeah. And it's fucking like the idiot numpties out there who believed the absolute bullshit... Uh, fucking propaganda that he was protesting the troops, which he never was. He was protesting the exact thing that's just happened. The exact That's all he was doing. He was trying to make a point, a silent protesting point about police brutality on young black men and women. And, you know, I, I struggle more with her, should we say, apology tweet where... She never actually says, I apologise. She never actually says, I was wrong. She's She doesn't say, you know, I've made an attempt to reach out to Colin Kaepernick and, you know, mend the fence with him or try and prove that what I said at the time was me being stupid or I'd been led astray by, like, the media or anything. It's just, well, I probably should have deleted that tweet, shouldn't I? But still, it's all about justice and equality. And for this one, for me, I'm just no. I don't think I. I don't think she gets a pass on this because I never said. Because four years ago, I wouldn't have fucking said anything like that. I was with Cap. I was like, yeah, you fucking good on him. Like he should be doing stuff like that. Which is obviously the true and right opinion to have. But as we said about the NHL players, like she is white, she is rich, she is potentially, you know, she is privileged, and she is potentially in that bubble where. You know, say she grew up with extremely conservative parents and then went to a prep school to play hockey and then went to the USA national team or whatever, you know, not surrounded by people of colour, surrounded by black people. She she what she said about Kaepernick is is unacceptable and I, I'm with you in the fact that her apology did not feel sincere enough. But as as you yourself said earlier in this podcast, Dan, like it is words written for a public statement we can't necessarily understand whether she wrote those personally whether it was written by a pr person so for me i think we need to just hope hope that she's being sincere hopefully she's changed her mind because because if kendall coin schofield's changed her mind on on the black lives matter protests and and the situation with black oppression and police brutality in america that's one down, another seven billion to go. You know what I mean? I... It's just this. It's just this apology tweet, though. I just like. I know. If a PR person wrote this, they need fucking firing <laughs> into the sun. Not just firing, because it's awful. It's fucking awful. Yeah, it's not... like even if a PR person wrote it, did she not read it before they sent it out? Did she not say, "Hang on a minute, you've not mentioned anything here. You just kind of this is just a lot of words." Like I said to you, why didn't she... If she means it, why didn't she say? I should have... I, I wrote this tweet four years ago about Colin... She should have said his name about Colin Kaepernick. I made a humongous mistake. I'll tell you what. Kendall Coyle, Schofield, if you're listening, right. here's what you should have written, right? right? Down. I'll do this off the top of my head right now. Right now. I wrote a tweet four years ago in regards to Colin Kaepernick and him kneeling. I was completely misinformed and wrong to believe it was about him disrespecting troops or the flags. I now, and have for a time, understood it was about making a silent protest against black li- about, against young black men and women being murdered. I was completely wrong, and the murder of George Floyd has brought this home even more. We should all be better. I should be. I should be better. I would. I would thank you for any forgiveness you can give me. But no, it, it's just. The first line is, instead of just deleting a misinformed tweet, that's the first line? That's the first yeah. thing you're saying? 
Like that's fucking shit. And that's shit. And if she means it, and if she if she's genuinely, genuinely apologetic and is very sorry for what she did, it does not come across in that tweet at all. At all. It's not even close. Yeah, yeah, like rereading it now, you you're right, she doesn't apologise to Kaepernick, she doesn't apologise to the people that she would have hurt and you know, perpetuated the the racism and oppression against people with that sort of tweet, especially in hockey. But um, yeah, you're you're right. I can't say anything else, Dan. I can't say anything else apart from she has. Yeah, maybe she's changed her mind. Maybe. Let's hope that she has. Yeah, maybe she. Maybe hey, maybe she has. Maybe she's made loads of donations to like. Yeah. I don't know, like you know, black projects or. Like I don't know anything what, what, like you know bail like, funds whatever it might be like we yeah anything I, maybe I she has I don't know her. like I don't know what she's up to hey me neither but here's the thing like when you when you use Twitter as a platform and you're trying to send a message you make sure that message is fucking on point and clear like you make sure like what you're saying because it will live forever and in this new cycle that we're living now this is all people are gonna see that's all they're gonna see. People are going to read this, then I'm going to go to Google, type in Kendall Cohn Schofield charity and see what she's done. And if she's donated to lights, like say like Black Projects or something like that, they're not going to do that. So if this is your message, you better fucking get it right. And she got it way wrong. Way wrong. But... If she has changed. More, I hope she has. It's Yeah, it's a bad message. That said, at least she hasn't come out like Drew Brees has. Oh, fucking hell. She, she might not have made a massive step to being, you know, like say, like Tyler Sagan, she's not out there at a rally necessarily that we're aware of. She's not taking a massive, incredible step. The the one bit of solace I'll take from that statement is where she says, "I will continue to do better." You know, she it it ends much better than it begins. It always was and is about George Floyd and the countless others who came before him. It's about justice and equality. I know better. I will continue to do better. That's infinitely better than Drew Brees coming out and saying, nah, fuck you, it's still about the flag. I'll kill anyone who disrespects the flag. Like, it's better than nothing. I disagree. I absolutely disagree. It's better than nothing. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, fair. Because I'll tell you this. Fair if she'd not posted, If she'd not posted anything, we wouldn't even be talking about her. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to avoid that. The first cynicism. tweet and the second tweet. If she'd not posted those two tweets, we wouldn't even be talking about her right now. Or I wouldn't. But now that's. But I I would have I would have. I'm not going to fucking hide from this. I would have completely forgotten what she said about Kaepernick. I did forget what she said about Kaepernick. I totally forgot about that until whenever her name popped up, I would go. Oh, I remember. Oh yeah, she did that. Oh yeah, she's a massive racist. But just day to day, I wasn't thinking like. Oh, I remember when Conor Quinn Scofield, you know, wrote that tweet about Kaepernick. No, I wasn't. Yeah, there were other things. To be and then she wrote about. that first tweet. Yeah, then she wrote that first tweet about Black Lives Matter. And I was thinking, hang on a minute. No, hang on a minute, no. <laughs> and then she wrote the apology. And I was just like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and if she, and I, that's why I disagree. If she'd not written anything, I wouldn't even be thinking about her right now. And the uh, the one last thing I want to say, Alex, I do not want to talk about Kendall Coyne Scofield anymore. No, I mean, well. This isn't, obviously, again, it's not everything. But she is scrolling through her Twitter feed now which uh, is the first time I've ever done this I must be honest it hasn't just been this tweet she is promoting other things around the cause to be fair to her she's got you know she's put up a uh, sorry an article by Natasha Cloud who I believe to be a WNBA player do forgive me if I, I, I'm not familiar with, with the WNBA about saying your science is a knee on my neck she's promoting who is that woman? Jane Elliott. There's the Jane Elliott video she's promoting. There's the way... Oh, that Jane Elliott video is amazing. Absolutely, absolutely, it's so simple absolutely and just absolutely incredible, brilliant. Straight to the point. So, to her credit, it's not just one tweet. It's like ten tweets. And that's... That is good. It's, it's not great. I'm not, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna put her up on a pedestal and say she's the fucking face of of Black Lives Matter as far as, far as hockey players are concerned. But she's given us reason to believe that she's sincere. I think. Yeah, we'll see. 
We, we will see, and I hope we do see. I hope we do see. I hope. Yeah, I hope so. Hey, yeah, like I said, I hope so. I hope, I hope, I hope so. But right now, six just months, like, we're apologising. Yeah, I, I, I hope I want to see you apologising to Kendall Coy Schofield in six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll come back in six months. Set, set that reminder. Do I need to apologise to Kendall Coy Schofield? Yeah. That'll do about Kendall Quinn Schofield. We'll uh, we'll move on from that. <laughs> we are on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Standing with Protesters. And if you could leave a five star review, that'd be really good. As always, we are sponsored and brought to you by Wave Intel. Jason and his team are gearing up for the start of the season by bringing you simple and informative comparison charts for teams and players. Wave Intel online and on Twitter, being smart so you don't have to. The playoff rounds will be reseeded. Well, hockey has seen sense, and it's uh, it seems as though the return to play has had a little change, and that's a good thing. The the thing that made me think after Freeman tweeted out that they're going to do the reseeding, does that mean they're going to scrap the little round robin tournament for for top seed while we're doing the playing round? Obviously, we don't know, but they should do. Should yeah, they? Good point. I didn't think of that. Because you, you either have to go full randomness or no randomness in a way, didn't you? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> again, if, if I'm the Bruins and somehow the Flyers end up with the top seed and we end up being the fourth seed and they get the fucking Canadians or the Panthers or whatever and I have to play the Penguins, <laughs> I'd be a little bit uh, a little bit naffed off, I reckon. Yeah, I'm looking at it here and I can't I can't see anything. No, I, I don't think there's been an announcement about it. Because obviously we're still, like... We, we've got to remember that this is all still academic. As much as this is the plan, none of this might. Nah, they're absolutely, they're absolutely going to come back. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, 100%. <laughs> if footy's coming back, if footy's back, football is back. Like, let's say, Bundesliga's back. It's coming out. As soon as they did it, everyone's like, oh, we'll be fine then. <laughs> let's just if, do it. If the footy can do it, we can do it. So I, I believe 100% they'll be back. It's At least they've seen sense in, in reseeding, because that would have been that would have been utterly mental. Utterly, utterly mental. Let's not pretend that we wouldn't have... Let's not pretend, though, that we would have been surprised. Again, we've, it's a low bar, isn't it? And <laughs> the league's reseeding. Oh, well done. Well done, league. Fantastic decision. What a great league this is. They're going to make it. No, they've just taken the right option. So the President's <laughs> Trophy winner definitely plays the worst team in their conference to make the playoffs. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> boys. Congratulations. Yeah, really revolutionary well stuff. And then, What's interesting is it's going to be still, somehow, even with all this reseeding, you just know the Bruins are playing the Leafs, don't you, in the first round proper? Oh, something, something fucked up's going to happen. Something <laughs> fucked up. Or it'll be the Blue Jackets and the Lightning. Yeah. I, <laughs> Has to be. I don't know how it's... I don't know what's going to happen, but somehow something weird's going to come out of it that's going to be like, oh, they should never have reseeded, blah, blah, blah. Because that, that's just talking. Somehow, some way down the road, reseeding is going to mess everything up. <laughs> and everyone's going to say, they should never have reseeded, you know, it was a bad idea. <laughs> the, the other thing that I thought that hasn't necessarily been clear or, or mentioned at all that I can see are they just reseeding after the playing round? I assume yes but are they talking about reseeding yeah, the second round as well? Because that would be interesting. No, they're reseeding every round in each really? succeeding round in each succeeding round of the 2020 Standard Cup playoffs, the highest remaining seed in each conference oh. will face the lowest remaining Ooh, seed that, that's the re- second highest will face the second lowest blah blah blah. That's proper reading comprehension that is Oh mate! Oh now, now I'm fucking buzzing for it. They're finally they can't they, wait. They're doing the playoffs properly. God, mate! Who? I didn't think I'd live to see the day. I thought I would die. It was one. It was one step away from me getting what I've always wanted, which is we're just going to go off regular season, one to sixteen, one play sixteen, irregardless of conference. Doesn't matter. Just go for it. I, I thought you were going to say that's what I've always wanted. We'll just go regular season and the Bruins get the cup. <laughs> I mean, ideally, yeah, that would have been it. Yeah, I mean, but that's what they should do, is, as everybody knows. Either do a regular season and do it properly, or don't have one at all. Yeah. What is a, what is a fucking regular season, anyway? I've never, like, why are you calling it the regular season? It's like the fucking... This is qualifying rounds. This is the fucking... The, um, 
probably yeah, but that's what they call it in Formula One, isn't it? The playing we just start calling we just start calling the regular season the playing yes. the playing rounds. It's an eighty-two game round robin for uh... that's it. Starting next season, starting next season, it's an eighty-two round playing round robin. It's oh, mate, I, I, with each passing second of this horrendous life I'm living. I think more and more. Shout out to Will's wife and kid. Fucking just, mate. What's the point of it anymore? Uh, and <laughs> until until the NHL sort out the regular season, I will not be happy. Cut the. Why are we playing eighty two fucking games, mate? Why? What are we doing? Obviously, it's I mean that's still a crazy thing, isn't it? Fucking... You want less injuries and shit in the playoffs. How about you play sixty games? This... <laughs> How insane would that be to only play sixty games in the regular in the playing round robin round? This is absolutely it. They they should play no more than sixty games. I'd argue that even oh mate, like why are you playing five games a season against a fucking team in your division? It's just how many times? Ta- how many times have we said play everybody in the conference twice, home and away? It's a very simple. <laughs> How how difficult is that? Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd even take like home and away against the other conference and like some sort of you know because you want more because otherwise with the the amount of games they play like you know Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday etc every day of the week some would say you've you've got to fill that schedule because I can't see him going into being like a weekly sport or whatever. Yeah, fuck me. Eighty two games is just moronic. If you went down to like two, well, then, you know, two a week, yeah. Well, then you do that then. In the other, you play everybody once home and away, and then you play the other teams in your own conference, either home or away once more. So then you're up to like what? Do 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 do. Oh, no, I can't do that. About forty five games, something like that. No, you, no, you'd be more than forty five games because if you played everyone home and away once at least. That would be 60 games. No, in your conference. Oh, in your conference. Yeah, but in your conference, you, yeah, you play everyone home and away in your conference. You'd still want to play the other conference, though. Ah, I suppose, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. See, if, if you just do a home and away against everyone, we have a 60-game season next year, 62-game season the year after, bada-bing, bada-boom. Sorted. Or even if you reduce it, to, if you want to promote the whole rivalry thing and keep it in the conference, do that, like... Alternating years of, yeah, oh, this year Boston are travelling to LA. Next year LA will travel to Boston. So you only do one game against yeah, the yeah. conference. I mean, that's not ideal if you ask me, but whatever. And then you use those remaining games to play more against people in the division or people in your own conference or whatever it is. Like, yeah, eight, eighty-two games is just mental. And you'd you'd improve the I like the quality of the product on the ice. But what do you like? Yeah. Like I said, once you get to the playoffs then, you haven't got players fucking... Everyone just playing injured. It's just whichever team can outlast the other one injury-wise in every round. Yeah, absolutely. I think to an extent, 60 is still too many, but if you take 22 games off the schedule, those 60 games are going to be even incrementally increased in importance and excitement. Because like like everybody says, what you've got fucking... You're Calgary away on a Wednesday night in the middle of November. Like, all right, <laughs> who who gives a shit? <laughs> I like how I like how after four years of doing this podcast, we've come to the conclusion that the regular season is actually quite long. <laughs> it's, it's far too long. What do, what do you mean? There's eighty two. Don't take us this long. I thought they were still playing eight, <laughs> 30, 38 games. Yeah. Next, you're going to tell me you don't get three points for a win. <laughs> Christ, let's not go down that rabbit hole. We've done it enough already. Did you um, one last thing? Oh, go on. No, oh, go on. Well, there I, you go. I was, was going to say, did you see the the ESPN guy uh, slagging hockey off today <laughs> with Stephen A. Smith? Oh, Max Kellerman. Yeah, but he does that all. He just says shit like that to get retweets and stuff. He's, he does it all the time. He's fucking right. Though. I just ignore him. Yeah, but I, I just ignore him because he's just he's just one of those like he's just a professional troll and he's not even very good at it either I, I, I think he's spot on though I, like, I think he's I think he's got a good point and anyone who disagrees with him needs to take a long hard look in the mirror and realise that you are wrong <laughs> I don't know if this is too long to get into now but I just had a, a cheeky little thought with um, the whole coronavirus thing oh right <laughs> do you think what I don't know just a cheeky little thought a cheeky little thought I had a cheeky little thought about the whole coronavirus thing. Do you think 
when it came to the next CBA that the league or something would try and insert some kind of literature that if there was a global pandemic or something along those lines, they could just say that the players can't get paid. I mean, they'll try to, yeah. Avoid avoid any and all contracts, except the ones that we decide we like. Looking at you, but no, it would be like it would vo- it would void all contracts until the resuming of the season. Then your contract is just started back up again. I, th- I think they'll definitely introduce some sort of pandemic clause, what, yeah. whatever that looks like, because there's got to be some element of the the NHLPA that will want some legislative legislature registration to um, protect themselves. So, like, I think it will definitely become a. a a, a topic for discussion as it will for for any industry across the world like yeah you know, it's going to become a thing in insurances for businesses it's going to become a thing wherever it might be affected you know what i mean yeah in in employee contracts for, for you and i i'm sure next time we get a contract it'll have something about pandemics or, or mass viruses or mass extinctions of the human race like so yeah i think it will be it'd be discussed what what form that takes is a. It depends on how hard the owners push for it, and that. Yeah, and you, and you, to be fair, you'd have to word it because you couldn't say that the contract is voided because then the player could go, "Right, fine, I'm going to go to this club instead, then, or I'll just do this instead." Or, I, but I'm sure, you know, they're all a bunch of sneaky peats, aren't they? I'm sure they try something like that. I think they would get. Got to protect those billions, will. Got to protect those billions. They don't make themselves, mate. I think you. Nope. They would maybe try and do something along the lines of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? So say say this year, we've lost the average game. The team has lost twelve games of the season. Yeah, twelve regular season yeah. games. It would be like right. You are only going to be paid for that percentage, whatever the percentage is. Seventy. Yeah, seventy. Say seventy games worth. Yeah. So not like, not like they could withhold money for whatever. It would be on like a percentage thing, but then that even that in itself feels like a slippery slope because obviously, or you get injured. Well, yeah, there's like insurances for the injury, but then I don't know enough about NHL player contract insurances. Like, are they insured for the the coronavirus outbreak? Because in theory, it's like your entire squad has missed twelve games injured. So does that yeah, you're right. insurance apply the same? I don't know. Technically, every player's been on the LTIR, haven't they? <laughs> I mean, in like practically, yeah, yeah. You could make the argument, couldn't you? Like, le- like legally, not though, because you're fit to work. It's just the work is not being done. Yeah, you're actually yeah, true, true. You're right. It's like if you're if you're salaried. <laughs> it's gonna be a dog shit analogy. Do forgive me, but say you're salaried, so you get twenty grand a year or whatever, and you come into work one day and there aren't any customers, your boss can't suddenly turn around and say, oh, I'm only going to pay you sick pay because you didn't do any work today because it was out of your hands. Yeah, true. Good point. But yeah, that, I, I'd be interested to see whether it's covered under the insurances for the owner's standpoint. They definitely try and get that written into the insurance if it's not because I'm sure any owner who is actually paying these players for not playing is going to be very very pissed off one to, one to watch I think for sure yeah I mean put that in the uh, put that in my tickler file <laughs> just in case for the future put that in my little light bulb file just in case future when we called it early again <laughs> the, the CBA negotiations were going to be interesting well relatively speaking interesting to watch anyway but yeah this is yeah. this is going to be an, an added wrinkle there we go alright so we start the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on then. Thanks for listening, everybody. Will, any last words? Uh, I do, actually. I forgot to mention it earlier. Um, not to try and drive our loyal listeners away to a, to a smaller podcast with much lower following than we have, but uh, Kevin Weeks, 
was on ESPN on ice with Wojcinski and Kaplan this week. Uh, another very interesting man in a, in the hockey community worth listening to. Yeah, I think the messages from like from us and I think educate yourself, people. If you're not already, read, listen, pay attention to, and push a message. Push anti-racism. Don't just be well. I'm not a racist, so I, I'm a good person. No, push the message. Not like everybody Get who's been saying, do some good. Shut the fuck up and let black people speak. <laughs> Yeah, let him have a voice. Alright, there we go. Take care, Bob. We'll see you next week. Peace.